Ouch, not again. Presidential candidate Joe Biden is often referred to as gaff-prone. So when asked about term limits last week, it's not too surprising what happened next. He blew it. Hi, I'm Philip Blumel. Welcome to No Uncertain Terms, the official podcast of the term limits movement for the week of September 16, 2019. Your sanctuary from partisan politics. Now, what you may find more surprising is President Trump's latest tweet on the subject. Hmm. Here to discuss these and other news items is U.S. Term Limits Executive Director Nick Tombolidis. How you doing, Nick? I'm doing better than I deserve. <laughs> okay. Tell us about President Trump's latest tweet. Well, this just came out of nowhere uh, last Monday. We haven't heard much from President Trump on the term limits front lately, uh, but he did get to a keyboard and he blasted out a tweet about term limits for committee chairmen. This is something that we have covered extensively on the podcast that in the mid-1990s, the Republicans imposed uh, a six-year limit on committee chairs to get some churn, to get some fresh ideas, rotation, mm-hmm. um, so that one person can't monopolize that position uh, for too long. But Trump tweeted against term limits, surprisingly. He said, House Republicans sh- should allow chairs of committees to remain in longer than six years. Should I be reading this in Trump's voice, by the way? <laughs> I should. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes, okay. you should. <laughs> Trump, Trump. Start over. Okay. Trump tweeted Monday that House Republicans should allow chairs of committees <laughs> to remain for longer than six years. It forces great people and great leaders to leave after serving. The Dems have unlimited terms, and while that has its own problems, it's a better way to go. Fewer people in the end will leave. Oh, man. Fewer people in the end will leave. Now, isn't that what we're working on? That's what we're trying to stop. Of course it is. And it's not as if having those... Uh, leaders stay in those chairmanships forever on the Democratic side has been helpful. I mean, remember when the Democrats took back over the House, there was a little mini civil war in that party over this exact issue because the younger members came into the Congress and now they have, they're looking forward to waiting two decades before they can have any real power on these committees because they're being held by these unbeatable incumbents that stay there in those seats forever. And here's Trump, who supposedly is a tournament supporter, coming out and saying that those tournaments should be abolished. I'm starting to think that the swamp has drained Trump. If you remember, yeah. if you remember how these term limits on committee chairs came about, it was in the 1990s. Um, it was basically a concession to the term limits movement um, because Congress refused to give us real term limits. But they bowed to public pressure and they created these committee term limits as a, a means of uh, refreshing these leadership positions and as a means of kind of mollifying the public. And if they roll it, right. if they roll it back, um, I think Congress is going to take a huge step backward. It's like you don't really think it can get any worse. It would get much, much worse if this were rescinded. I was looking at the tenures of some of the leading committee chairs in Congress right now. There are really four Mm -hmm. key committees. The most powerful committees in the House are Ways and Means. That's sort of the tax committee. That's where they figure out the ways uh, to divide the means. Uh, Appropriations, which is essentially Mm -hmm. a slush fund if you want it to be. Financial services and energy. Of those four committee chairmen currently who are all Democrats, and mind you, the Democrats have no term limits, 
three of them have been in Congress for longer than I have been alive. Uh, they've actually been in right. Congress since January of 1989. I was born in June of 1989. That's the extent of the seniority problem. The one exception, Maxine Waters, she was elected, I think, two years after I was born. But before that, she spent 14 mm -hmm. years in the California legislature. Right. So without these committee limits, there is just no way for fresh faces and fresh ideas to surface and, and make any kind of impact on Congress. It's just becoming a very closed system, um, and, and it's going to have a damaging impact. Sure. One of the problems that the Democrats have caused by having unlimited terms in their chairmanships is that the leadership of the Democrats in the Congress are far older than the Republican leadership. And that's particularly ironic because younger voters tend to lean Democratic. So there's a huge gulf between Democratic voters and, of course, the young Democrats who want to run for Congress and those that are holding the positions of leadership and are basically blocking younger people from having any effect in Congress. It's been a big problem for the Democrats. The young Democrats know it. And um, so it's really disappointing to hear Trump tweet this. I don't think he thought through it. And he might want to look back to his Trump's contract with the American voter on the DonaldJTrump.com website, which was put up just before the election, in which he listed all his things that he was going to do in the first hundred days. And I'd like to remind him that number one on the list, first, it says, first, propose a constitutional amendment to impose term limits on all members of Congress. There it is. But of course, he can't actually look at this on his website because it was pulled from the website about one month after Donald J. Trump was elected president of the United States. What do you think about that? Well, <laughs> look, as I said in my congressional testimony um, back in June, it seems like career politicians in Congress want young people just close enough to the political process to help them win, to help them get reelected, right. but they don't want them so close they can actually take their jobs. The message Trump is really sending, the message they're all sending is, what's the point of even running for Congress? What's the point if you're a young person? What's the point if you're a successful person who wants to spend a few years doing this and make an impact? It is senseless to run for Congress in such a system where the only value prized is uh, how many gray hairs you have on your head rather than how hard you work or, or what kind of expertise you have on a particular issue. Well, I think we need to tell the president that we approve of his original idea of imposing congressional term limits, and we are disappointed in this new call for limiting the few term limits we have. And we have a tool to do that. If you go to termlimits.com and uh, look under the current actions tab across the top, Pull that down, you'll see a bunch of different current actions you can take. And one of them is, has the swamp taken over President Trump? Something along those lines. And you pull that down, you're going to be able to send a quick message to President Trump and tell him what you feel. Hi, this is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. We ask state legislators and candidates for state legislature to sign a pledge to help us term limit Congress. The pledge reads... I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor, vote for, and defend the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. Most of us vote for our state House and state Senate members in even-year elections, but there are a few states with odd-year elections. Louisiana has odd-year elections, and they have a jungle primary very late in the year on October 12th. A jungle primary is an election where candidates all appear together irrespective of party. If one candidate gets over 50% of the vote, they win. And if nobody gets over 50% of the vote, then the top two candidates proceed to a runoff election Saturday, November 16th. 
We now have 88 candidates, 63 in the House and 25 in the Senate in Louisiana, who have pledged to support the resolution to term limit Congress. Pledges are available at termlimits.com. In a development that will shock absolutely no one, Joe Biden has said something stupid. (laughs) So Biden was approached by U.S. Term Limits Northeast Director Ken Quinn, uh, town hall event in New Hampshire. He was asked, where are you on term limits? And he just gave an answer that was rambling. It was flat out wrong. Um, Why don't we play that right now? I had a question to ask you. Is it in regards to term limits for Congress? No, I don't support it. Because you'd be in real trouble. Why is in that? New Hampshire. If you're a small state, you'd get nothing. Wouldn't, we, wouldn't that level the playing field, though, for the smaller states over time? No, because guess what happens? It's the number of votes that, in fact, you can get to get something done. Now, you're in the middle of New York and Massachusetts and Ohio, etc. And guess what? The only way small state senators have been able to fend for their states is get seniority and be able to get something. Yeah, and that's and that's, the, and that's the problem. That's what we I was thinking. Well, it's not a problem if you just vote them out of office. What about term limits on the president? Would you like to see term limits on the president removed to allow people no, to elect you over no, they want? Because I think the president has so much power, he can abuse the power to stay in office. And I think term limits for president is a good thing, not a bad thing. Could Congress as well uh, abuse that power? No, because there's so many of them, there's a count, you have a countervailing force. There's no countervailing force to a president other than the Congress as a whole. And you see what happens when one party takes a die. Well, well, he's contradicted himself here at least twice. First, he's saying that voters in small states uh, need to keep their career politicians around if they want to have any clout in Congress. And then later on in the same remark, he says that voters should vote their career politicians out. Right. I mean... <laughs> He's just saying whatever comes to his mind, clearly. Well, seniority has worked out great for Biden, personally. He's from a small state with a small population, Delaware. To give you some context, there are six counties here in Florida where we live with a bigger population than Delaware. But being a career politician has allowed him to transform himself into a big shot. If you think about his career, he was front and center and all that Anita Hill stuff. He got to be Obama's running mate because Obama needed a guy with no chance of ever outshining him. So Biden got a pretty good deal out of it. He got 36 years in the Senate, eight as VP, 44 years of mummification in D.C. Not bad. But has it been a good deal for our country? Is Congress better or worse because guys like Biden are spending four decades in the swamp? Right. And Delaware's not better off either. I mean, look at uh, nearby Vermont as an example that comes immediately to mind to me is that they have two senators like every state and both of them are just shy of 80 years old. So both Bernie Sanders and Patrick Leahy, uh, Vermont senators, are going to be retiring at some point in the near future, probably around the same time. And now Vermont is going to be at the very other end of that continuum where they have two newbies in a seniority-based system where incumbents can't lose. They are going to be at the absolute bottom of the totem pole. So this idea that the small states need to have these long-term incumbents to represent them, um, that's not very helpful when they have no seniority at all. And in a system with tournaments where the seniority is completely compressed and you have a lot of decentralization of power and a lot more opportunity for being in Congress for less time, you see a lot more equalization between the power of the states and not have this giant inequity of power just over one border of a state to the next. So he's very wrong about this. What was the most troubling thing Biden said was when he said, you'd be in real trouble 
in New Hampshire if there were term limits. You're a small state and you'd get nothing. That's what he told Ken in that in that in that clip. <laughs> get nothing. Here's right. here's the question about that though. Does that mean people in New Hampshire have to reelect their long-term senator or congressman whether they agree with this person or not just to maintain their position in line in Congress lest they lose all their influence and get nothing? If you really think about what he's saying, he's saying that careerist incumbents can hold their own voters hostage and say, yeah. keep voting for me or you get nothing. You must vote for me or it's back of the line for New Hampshire or Maine or Vermont or right. Delaware or wherever. And Biden thinks that's fine. What about yeah. this? What if we pass term limits and we just dismantle the seniority system entirely, right? Like mm -hmm. here in Florida, we have eight is enough. And so as a natural byproduct of that, Freshman members get great seats on committees. Uh, sophomore members right. get great seats on committees. They have actual influence in the body, uh, no matter where they're from, because, like you said, the seniority is a lot more compressed. So I think it's just so appalling that not just that he is he's noticing the seniority problem, but he's applauding it. He's saying, like, this is a good thing. We shouldn't lift a finger to try to fix it. Well, why the hell not? Yeah. And I'm sure there's no one else in Delaware, no qualified, ambitious, uh, goals-oriented person who wants to see America be a better place. There's nobody else in Delaware that can hold that position. And, of course, there's no sense for that kind of person to run for that seat because why would you run for that seat when you have a 36-year veteran who can't lose the election in the seat? And the answer is you won't. Can I ask you a series of questions? Sure. How many members of Congress do we have in this country? Uh, 535. And what is the population of our country? About 330 million, last I checked. And are we not the most well-educated and economically prosperous nation in the world? Uh, yes, we are. So is it not the height of arrogance to say that <laughs> in the most well-educated, economically prosperous, most innovative and entrepreneurial country in the history of the world and in the present day, that there are only 535 people out of 330 wow. million who are qualified to serve in Congress? Give me a These break. These people must be supermen. They must be geniuses and supermen. As Rand Paul is fond of saying, Washington, D.C. has no monopoly on knowledge. Boy, that's the truth. Members met Tuesday to go over the tax cuts legislation, which are scheduled to reach the House floor today. We'll hear from Chairman John Boehner, House Speaker Newt Gingrich, as well as Chris Farley, who often portrays Mr. Gingrich on Saturday Night Live. So let's get to it. Now, uh, let's uh, show America how many bills a Republican Congress can pass in 10 minutes when we're not hampered by bizarre, weird Democrats. <laughs> Okay, first up, HR 765, which would cut taxes for the middle class, lower the deficit, and at the same time, all in favor. Ah! I can't hear you. Ah! All right. Also, a motion that a tax cut bill doesn't have to go through Senate. All in favor? Ah! All right. How about even though we had nothing to do with it, we take credit for ending the baseball strike, huh? Ah! Done. Motion to move nation's capital to Atlanta, Georgia, huh? All right. pipe down. Now look, all right, term limits. You know what? Forget that. I have to talk to Delay about this one, okay? <laughs> 
Last week in North Carolina, we had a special election where two seats were up for grabs. One where there was a disputed election where votes apparently were being stolen by one of the candidates and the election was voided. And why was the other one open, Nick? Was it a death? Uh, I think the other one was open due to the death of uh, Walter Jones, longtime congressman from North Carolina. Right. So two typical reasons why people leave the Congress uh, rather than losing elections would be death and uh, corruption. Okay. So anyway, in any case, we had two open seats. The reason why we're bringing this up is that in both cases, the winners, this is in the third and the ninth congressional districts, were signatories of the U.S. Tournament's pledge. And so when, now that they're, when they're put into office, they have committed that they would co-sponsor and vote for the U.S. Tournament's amendment, which they'll find when they get there. So that's good news once again, and it, it's another 100% win for us following on the heels of the special election a week or so ago in Mississippi, where 10 out of 10 won. So we're going to move in the right direction. Yeah. Um, what I thought was really cool was um, the competition you saw in these open seat elections. In District 3, I think in North Carolina, which the pledge signer won, there were 18 candidates in the Republican primary. And in mm. District 9, there were 11 candidates in the Republican primary. Mm. It's like this mad scrum of competition with so many candidates emerging, a lot more fairness and parity along fundraising lines than you would otherwise see when an incumbent is uh, running for re-election. I think it's kind of instructive because that's what you would see all the time if we had term limits. You would see open seats popping up on a regular basis where voters would have these meaningful opportunities to cast ballots. Uh, so I thought that was really cool. And um, the icing on the cake was that both these new congressmen are U.S. term limits pledge signers. I can say from our perspective, we're going to do all we can to get them on the bill because, as we know, saying you're going to do something in politics and actually doing it are two very different things. So I know our team is going to be calling into both these gentlemen, trying to get them on the U.S. term limits amendment on the Francis Rooney bill as soon as possible. Yep. Good work, everyone involved. One last note. We've been following on the podcast, um, Tom Steyer, presidential candidate, hedge fund investor, billionaire, um, impeachment activist, and also global warming activist. But uh, notably, he is also a big champion of term limits. And um, he failed to qualify for the last debate, but it has just been announced that he has one more poll that shows him with at least 2% of support, and this is in Nevada. And so now he's made it. So he's officially in the next debate, which is going to be October 15th or possibly 16th. And so we are have our fingers crossed that we're going to hear about the issue of tournaments in the next debate. We'll see. He was speaking at some kind of Democratic convention. I think it was in Iowa or New Hampshire. And um, he said... You want two reasons why we need term limits? Moscow Mitch McConnell and Leningrad Lindsey Graham. Ha 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 And it was like the biggest applause line of the speech. Uh, yeah. it, it was tremendous. It's not, it's so uncommon that a Democratic audience, especially, you know, party insiders get to hear this message about term limits, but he's delivering it. And um, right. it's, it's really working out well for him. His poll numbers are up. That's how he worked his way into the debate. We'll see if he uh, decides to talk about it next time. I certainly hope so. Well, it is something that would set him apart because even though there are other supporters of tournaments that are in the field, they're not bringing up the issue. And it is something that would distinguish him if he does because they can all come out and say, oh, I'm for doing something about global warming or I'm for uh, doing something in the healthcare system or whatever it is they all agree on and they all talk about. But here's something that would come out of the blue and every head would turn. 
and it would become part of the national discussion, and that's what we were hoping for. And, and by the way, you know, I'm not saying I uh, I agree with these policies or not, but I, I know that a lot of folks on the Democratic side of the aisle are itching to see some kind of action on you know environmental policy. They're itching to see some kind of action on gun background checks. And the, the narrative within the party is that these reforms they believe in are being held back, you know, not by the instincts and beliefs of the congressman, but by the stranglehold of uh, special interests and of lobbyists oh, in right. Washington, D.C. So it will be interesting to see whether Democrats can draw that line from A to B and realize that when their politicians aren't listening to them, much like Republican politicians don't listen to their voters, the reason why is power, the corruption of power. That's it. And that's what we're against. Thanks for joining us for another episode of No Uncertain Terms. When the two top contenders to win the presidency slam term limits in the same week, you know we have some work to do. Please take a moment to go to our website, termlimits.com, and pull down the Current Actions tab at the top. There you will find two important action items. First, go to the Swamp Has Gotten to Trump tab and send the president a reminder that you support term limits, and he should too. Next, if you haven't already, choose the Contact the 2020 POTUS candidates and send a message to all the Democratic presidential contenders and ask them to bring up congressional term limits in the debates. A national discussion on the issue will help us advance the term limits convention in the state capitals. That's it. We'll be back next week. I tell you, I love this week. It's it's my high, it's the high point of every um, podcast.